Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each Thursday, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. Enjoy the show! Hi, I'm Randy. Hi, I'm Jamie. Hi, I'm Gabe. Um, so last week, uh, like as soon as we clicked uh, stop and uploaded the podcast, uh, I went back to my desk um, and I saw that there was some uh, breaking news out of Minnesota. Uh, and as the afternoon went on, um, it became clear that Prince had died, mm-hmm. um, which is just devastating. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. Are you guys Prince fans? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> A resounding yes. A resounding yes for everyone. No, it was, it was one of those things like you don't expect because, you know, you've got all that list of stars who are old and, you know, may eventually get that headline, but Prince was definitely not on the radar because he lives such mm-hmm. a clean, you know, like Michael Jackson was tragic, but not necessarily unexpected, right. but you know. Prince, I heard he was a vegan. I didn't know that until after he passed away. But I knew he like had lived a much cleaner lifestyle than like your traditional rock and roll, you know, legend. So it was it was a fairly huge surprise that just all of a sudden, boom. Yeah. Well, I mean, there there had been the news um, mm-hmm. in the previous week that his yeah. plane had landed, and I, you know, that that was big enough. Just him making an emergency landing Mm -hmm. that, you know, we heard about that. Um, so as soon as they said, you know, Prince's estate, there's been a fatality. It was just instantly obvious. Oh no. Yeah. (laughs) And then it was confirmed and it was even more of an, Oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, he's, uh, um, you know, I think when we were growing up, uh, it always felt like Prince and Michael Jackson, those were like the two big names. And it was almost as if you had to choose somehow. Uh-huh. And I got to admit, when I was little, Michael Jackson was like, you know, the star that everybody paid attention to. It, I was just young enough that Prince didn't quite click. Um, but it's become really obvious in the years since just what an amazing talent, uh, you know, such an amazing musician, um, he he absolutely was the guitar solos that you're oh, starting yeah. to see the mm-hmm. uh, Super Bowl halftime show, mm-hmm. um, and they were talking about how he put out 39 studio albums. That's in like 39 years. He yeah. averaged an album yeah. every single year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's just an incredible volume of work. Um, yeah, and, Michael Jackson was an entertainer. Prince was a true musician and really entertainer. Yeah. Like I mean, those guitar solos. Our rival, anyone, you know, they are really just amazing. Right. Um, some of the tweets that came out uh, were pretty interesting. They asked uh, Dave Grohl uh, from Nirvana and Foo Fighters mm-hmm. that at, at one point in time he'd been asked, you know, is, is Prince a better musician than you are? And he <laughs> said, are you kidding? Prince is a better drummer than I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, you know, yeah. Dave Grohl's a drummer. Um and, you know, his style is just something so completely unique and outrageous. Uh, there was another tweet uh, that 
you know, got retweeted widely that talked about how Prince could go and steal your girl and steal your girl's clothes. <laughs> yes. And then he could steal your friend's girl wearing your girl's clothes. <laughs> Nobody else can do that. Exactly. Yeah. That was funny. <laughs> I also like how they took, um, you know, when he changed his name to just the symbol mm-hmm. and people are like uh, using the symbol, um, on the door for like gender neutral bathrooms. Yeah. We're just gonna start using the print symbol right. and everyone can use these bathrooms. Uh-huh. <laughs> but it that's not being done in a way mm-hmm. that it's in any way mocking or derogatory. No. No. And and when he when he put out that symbol, because I mean he had such a an outrageous persona, but in mm-hmm. such a positive presentation. You know, when he said, oh, I'm just going to be the symbol, it's a combination of male and female, nobody looked at that, you know. Mm-hmm. Like well, like when Caitlyn yeah. Jenner, you know, became Caitlyn Jenner, there was a lot of derogatory discussion from uh, from the right, from conservatives, from people who just didn't get it. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen when Prince says, you know what, I don't have a name anymore and this is my symbol. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, oh, well, it's Prince. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> it worked. Um, yeah. So uh, the national office uh, put up um, in, in, you know, one of the many organizations that, that sought to recognize him, uh, they put out a really good article that six uh, sexy ways that Prince uh, was a feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, his first, uh, the first thing they cited was he expresses his femininity without hangups. Mm-hmm. And I think that speaks to the gender thing. You know, it, it wasn't yeah. in any way... Um, derogatory of how he said things or an expression of weakness. Um, number two is he's a longstanding equal opportunity funk leader. Um, you know, the past few years he's had an all-female backing band uh-huh. and that's not in any way gimmicky. Mm-hmm. It's just he picked the best musicians he could find and hey, look, they're women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're really rocking out. Yeah, they are. They're really amazing. Uh, number three is he's a vegan who supports animal welfare and the person writing this says, well, that's not specifically feminist, but it's really cool. Um, (laughs) number four is he sings, uh, about a sexuality sans sexism. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, uh, there was a lot of comparisons to, uh, heavy metal bands of the mid eighties and how a lot of their stuff was very, um, you know, very sexist, Mm -hmm. uh, and misogynist. Um, you know, uh, the whole uh, concept of labeling record albums as having explicit lyrics started with Prince. Mm-hmm. It was Al Gore's wife, Tipper, um, who who heard this, uh, you know, heard Purple Rain uh, when she <laughs> bought it for an 11-year-old daughter and then was just shocked at the lyrics to Darling Nikki, um, <laughs> which are very, you know, vulgar lyrics. Yes. Um, but... But they're not presented in a way that's, okay, maybe it's offensive if you don't want to think about sex, but he's not singing about this girl with, you know, a negative attitude. Yeah, or trying to control her or her sexuality. I mean, so much of the kind of pop sexuality actually plays into even rape culture and those kinds of things. Right. His just totally did not because it was very much, you know, he wasn't explicitly talking about consent and those kinds of things, but just the way he presented it conferred that just in the same way that we, you know, the other songs don't explicitly say I'm going to go out and rape these women, but they confer that I control you and I control your sexuality. And his just never did any of that. Right. Right. Uh, number five in this list is Joni Mitchell is a huge inspiration and a role model to him. Um, 
you know, for him to look up to and acknowledge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, older women in the music industry, mm-hmm. um, that's kind of unique. Uh, and then number six, he uplifts and collaborates with current female artists in a non-gross way. <laughs> um, it's sad that that's a standout. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's like this holy grails reach up to. That's not just the standard. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, until he passed away, I had no idea he actually wrote um, Nothing Compares to You, which is one of my favorite Sinead O'Connor songs. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, he wrote a ton of stuff. He recorded a ton of stuff. Um so, I mean, that, that was, you know, just an incredible loss. Um, so that was Thursday. And then Saturday, uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, just... Beyonce dropped the nuclear bomb. Yes. Dropped a bomb, picked up the torch, however you want to say it. <laughs> yeah. Released her new album that's just incredible. Mm-hmm. I'm blown away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was blown away after I finally listened to it. <laughs> So I'm like, I'm not going to lie. I'm not part of the beehive. I, I mean, I like Beyonce, but I'm not like someone. I don't really do that with anyone, I guess. I'm not someone who's like, oh, this album's coming out. I got to listen to it right now. Right. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did listen to it because everyone was talking about it. <laughs> um, Lemonade. So I listened to it and I watched like the video that she put with it. The video is like crazy. It's amazing, um, all the all the stuff that she's doing. Um, I don't have. I'm like made little notes about it while I was listening. Um, uh, oh, she had a line in there. She said that uh, something about heaven being love without betrayal. I'm like, uh, does that even exist? Um, probably people don't mean to, but I I think if you have a love relationship and it's deep, like. There's gonna be like some type of hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uninten- even if it's unintentional, yeah. like that's just what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, there's definitely different layers of levels and layers of betrayal. I yeah, mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah, kind of along the same lines as Prince. Like, yes, the content and the lyrics and all those things on this album is amazing. But if you listen to it just for its music, it also again, just shows what kind of musician level Beyonce is. Oh, yeah. I mean, the notes she hits and the, it was just, it was also just such a great musical, lyrical album, yeah. too. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of had the same thought. I, and mm-hmm. and uh, our, our coworker, Annie, um, she put up a, a cartoon on Facebook that was, mm-hmm. it showed some guy digging through his trash can and saying, where's my print shirt? He's my most favorite artist since yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, you know, yes, a little bit guilty of that, you know, <laughs> uh, I, and I thought about it. I said, you know, I, I probably at no point in time would ever said Prince is my favorite artist. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's still not true. And so that got me thinking about, well, who is, you know, my favorite artist? If I was to answer that question, honestly, um, and I mean, you know, I went to like two concerts last year, so not that many. And they were the Alabama Shakes and Jack White. And I thought, mm-hmm. you know, Jack White is really outstanding. I really appreciate his music. Mm-hmm. If I had to name somebody that, you know, who is Gabe's favorite musician, that's who it'd be. And so I'm thinking about that and I'm listening to the Beyonce album and I'm three tracks in and I'm hearing it and I'm like, wait a minute. That's Jack White. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, my favorite guy is Beyonce's backup singer on her <laughs> album. Yes. It's incredible. It, yeah. it is. 
And she does get to that point that you're making. I think in, you know, by the end of the album, she's expressed all these layers of grief. Yeah, uh-huh. And she's at that point where she's saying, you know, no relationship is, uh, you know, is perfect. Mm-hmm. And she's singing about how I understand that, you know, you're famous and everybody's rubbing up on you. I get it. And we're going to be together. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this album, top to bottom, and, and the fact that everybody's been talking this much mm-hmm. about it, and it's been yes. out, you know, five days. Yes. Yeah, and it's like everywhere, everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you, I love it, I hate it, I don't like this, it's talking about this, like, it's just, right. Yeah. Questlove tweeted that he's been waiting for a black female to get a coveted Rolling Stone five-star review. It got five stars from Rolling Stone. It got, you know, terrific reviews. You know, I I think long-term, this album is going to be up there with, mm-hmm. you know, Purple Rain, with Pink Floyd's mm-hmm. The Wall, mm-hmm. um, you know, with some of the great Led Zeppelin, uh, you know, Sgt. Pepper's. And I think Beyonce and Prince, you know, kind of being together in this week has been like the biggest week in music since the Beatles were mm-hmm. on Sullivan. <laughs> this has just been, I think, mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So, and, you know, really think- big fe- uh, feminist statements. Yeah. I was just thinking that, though, that's a, one thing that people were talking about, like, as far as, like, the Rolling Stone review and everything like that. Like, that's cool, but at the same time, I'm like, we don't really need that, and it would still be great, because I'm like, this this was by a black woman, for black mm-hmm. women, other people can listen, but it was like, yeah, I agree that it was, like, specific, like, if you watch the album... I don't think there was one white person in it, maybe one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was obviously she was going for this is for black women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course, predictably, we got the reverse racism <laughs> ridiculousness <laughs> from everyone. Um, not from yes. everyone, but from a from certain a... people. Pierce mm-hmm. Morgan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think this is not for you. Yeah. She did not write it for you. She didn't write it to you. Yes. Like, I like but, uh, Beyonce before she started talking about important issues. <laughs> like, okay, so because she, she's Beyonce, she can't talk about, you know, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. Like, no. she's still black. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. I think that a lot of people, when, when black artists do cross over, Mm-hmm. They go into this. Well, she's not a black artist anymore, and so you start getting into you know, and oh, yeah. and frankly, that's how a lot of artists become mainstream. Mm-hmm. Is they kind of let that stuff go. So for her to kind of take that mantle back with yeah. the Super Bowl show and with mm-hmm. you know the the Malcolm X kind of tribute that uh-huh. she did there and the Black Lives Matter and everything else, she really is re-embracing that. And I think that's a really powerful statement for her because she had broken into the mainstream and yeah. crossed over and now she's, you know, doing what she can to pull stupid, resilient, resistant white people back <laughs> on. <laughs> so hopefully, hopefully some more people are listening and, and really yeah. hear the messages. She was like... Um, how is this is this gonna be as commercially successful as mm-hmm. her other stuff? And I'm like, Beyonce already has millions of dollars. <laughs> right. She didn't make this to make other even though she will. Yeah. But it wasn't I don't feel like the purpose of it was to be like, oh now I'm gonna make millions of dollars off of this. Mm-hmm. Like right. it was 
obviously something very personal. Mm -hmm. Oh, it absolutely was. But I'm sure it's, you know, this is taking some, uh, somebody who has been in the past, you know, a pop artist, a dance Mm -hmm. artist and really solidifying her into, you know, the biggest artist, Mm -hmm. you know, of this century so far. Yeah. And it's like, and at the same time, it's like, she's 35 years old, married with a kid She's going to talk about, like, going to the club for the rest of her life? Like, yeah. no. Right. She's going to talk about other things. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this this is like, you know, Marvin Gaye uh, going from let's get it on to what's going on. Going on. on. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's it's that big of a transition. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's incredibly powerful. I don't think it, you know, maybe it does change some of the endorsements that she gets, mm-hmm. but it makes her much more of a solid person. Um you know, to, to understand the depth of, yeah. you know, who she is and what she's trying to say. Um, you know, I, I don't think she needed the Rolling Stone review. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. she absolutely deserved yeah. it. Um, I, this is the first year where I'm going to be excited to watch the Grammys. Normally mm-hmm. I can't stand the Grammys. Um, <laughs> I think she's going to, you know, I think she's going to clean house in ways that everybody expects. There's a country song in this album. I yeah. think she's going to win oh, yeah. country song of the year. <laughs> I think she's going to clean was, up. Yeah. yeah, in ways that people don't really mm-hmm. look at her. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. So. So she definitely deserves her. That's what she says this week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, no one even gets close this week. There was no contest at no. all. Yes. <laughs> Get Beyonce. <laughs> Do it, girl. Like, no, not. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm happy for Beyonce. Like I said, mm-hmm. I, I don't usually like go out and like mm-hmm. try to listen immediately, but it was really good. So I see why everyone was talking about it, and it's definitely caused controversy. But mm-hmm. you know, I think any good new thing causes controversy. Oh yeah, so that's okay. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so moving into politics, uh, there was five primaries last week. So are we done yet? <laughs> Is it over? Almost. Can we just be done? <laughs> In a month, actually. Almost. Yeah, yeah, we'll be done. No, 35 days from Tuesday. So thirty days. <laughs> no, it was on the radio this morning. <laughs> it, there's 35 days in between Indiana and California. Right. Oh, really? So, yeah, so I guess there's 30, what, nine days then? Right. It's kind of disturbing how how important Indiana is right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think Trump is probably going to win it. I, yeah, and and uh, he's definitely going to win it. I think he's going to win it on the first ballot, mm-hmm. and that's what this week showed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there was five states, all in the uh, eastern uh, seaboard: Delaware, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, Connecticut, and Maryland. Trump won all five. Uh, Clinton won four out of five. Um, Trump is, you know, in a position now where assuming he doesn't, I would say screw up, but the screw ups win him <laughs> votes too. So uh, yeah. if he maintains this pace, he's going to, he's going to be in a position to win it on the RNC on the mm-hmm. first ballot, mm-hmm. which means that everything Kasich and Cruz are trying is irrelevant. Yeah. Yes. Um, Hillary Clinton is in a position now where she doesn't actually need to win any of the remaining states. She just needs to, you know, yeah. huh, and lose and keep it close. Zero yeah. m- Dollars right. in the next few mm-hmm. states, and Bernie Sanders is spending a lot of money, mm-hmm. but laying off staff. Yes. yes. So, um, so you know, it does look like it's locked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Ted Cruz uh, and John Kasich before those primaries made uh, some form of an agreement <laughs> that caused yeah. Kasich to pull out of Indiana. Uh, after the primaries are over, it's really clear that Ted Cruz has no interest, if there was an agreement, mm-hmm. of adhering to it. Yeah. Um, he's... You know, he named Carly Fiorina as his vice presidential pick, even though normally you don't do that unless you're an actual party nominee, and he's mm-hmm. not and never will be. Um, I'm going I'm to pick somebody because they probably have as much. You want to be my vice president? Because that's yeah, probably right. about as likely as Carly Fiorina ever being vice president. So Yeah. Well, then I guess Kasich is trying to do the same thing. Yeah. He's trying to, well, well I'm going to pick uh-huh. somebody. Uh, he said he's going to pick someone? Uh-huh, yeah, he's vetting. He's currently vetting vice presidential candidates. When? Like, <laughs> well, and it's funny because even the people in Indiana aren't paying attention to the pact either because mm-hmm. the Indianapolis Star endorsed Kasich and then Mike Pence came out today endorsing Ted Cruz. So, like, yeah. nobody's, I mean, and it's stupid. I mean, the pact is stupid because that is assuming that, like, all the people that are currently voting for Kasich would vote for Ted Cruz. And I think that's a huge jump. Yeah, as we saw with the leadership out of former congressional leadership with John Boehner telling Ted Cruz Lucifer earlier this week. Right. You know, it's Kasich is kind of the mainstream kind of Republican candidate. So I can't imagine that all of Kasich's voters in any state would automatically just become Cruz voters because they weren't going to vote for Kasich. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're also not going to go to Trump. I'm not quite sure where else they would go. But, you know, so... It was a ridiculous week in politics. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Boehner's comments, calling Cruz the son of a bitch, um, were sort of eye-opening. Um, he he said that, and then he tweeted pictures of himself mowing his lawn, and it was just like, okay, here's the guy who does not give a damn anymore. <laughs> gives no shit. Mowing uh, his lawn, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure uh, John Boehner hasn't mowed uh, grass in quite some time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and he also called Kasich high maintenance, which I find hilarious as well. Like almost yeah. as fun as <laughs> calling Cruz yeah. a son of a bitch and Lucifer. Right. Uh, but so the entire thing seems to be kind of academic at this point. They've got mm-hmm. it locked up. Um, the bill for Ohio taxpayers, uh, for John Kasich's security and travels topping out at $2 million now. Oh, great. The Toledo blade has called for him to stop doing this and use his remaining campaign cash to repay the state of Ohio. Oh, hell yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's time for, for him to read the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, all the things that he's trying about converting yeah. delegates, it's, no. And you There's see no his room. little speech? He said he had a major announcement and then he announced nothing. Yeah. And he was like, oh, <laughs> well, you know, my wife was bringing the clothes down. His wife does laundry a lot. And um, <laughs> she was like, my wife's bringing the clothes down to the basement. So I'm going to go help her. He oh, said what that? <laughs> he was, yeah, in his little town hall. He was like, she's bringing clothes down to the basement. And, um, so he was like, he went down, down there with her. I'm sorry, I'm really, I, I feel really congested right now. <laughs> um, he's like, he went down there with her and was like, oh, well, what do you think I should do, sweetie? And he was like, well, she said simple words because she's not a politician. Well, oh, <laughs> she was like, well, the people need a choice. And if you don't give it to them, who will? I'm like, that you were a choice. You've been a choice <laughs> since the beginning and nobody chose you. Right. Like, 
get a clue. Right. <laughs> like, move on with your life. You can't keep saying, like, the people need a choice. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if they wanted to choose you, they would have chose you. Uh, but they didn't. No, they didn't. Honey. So, Just... I mean, that's this is the whole point. So, the people haven't chosen you. Why are you going to keep going? You keep losing. They don't want you. No. Right. But he's the best one to beat Hillary. I'm like, well, people don't really care, so maybe they don't want to yeah. win. Well, he needs to talk to his base about that. Mm-hmm. Like... <laughs> yeah, of course. Then we also have the mixed feelings of he can just stay out there for as long as he wants because if he's not here, he's not screwing shit up here. But right, yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so hopefully, you know, Hillary can can save cash now um, and use that campaign funds to, you know, if she's facing Donald Trump, you know. Please, hopefully, Donald Trump ends up being as big of a failure in the general election yes. as everybody's predicting. Exactly. Um, but everybody predicted him to be really, really bad in the primary know, right? too, so it kind of scares the crap out of me just a bit. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's there's really no such thing as winning by too small of a mar or too big of a margin in politics. You know, it's it's not like in college football where you're beating somebody and then you uh, you take a knee at the end mm-hmm. um, because Every you know every vote that Hillary can get on a nation uh, a national scale uh, carries down to people voting the rest of the ticket, and so it's really important for oh, yeah. her, you know, <laughs> to hit as hard as she can because then that impacts U.S. Senate races, congressional, you know, all the way down to county commissioners, mm-hmm. you know, and and we saw that uh, in the state of Ohio when Ed Fitzgerald <laughs> crumbled as yeah. governor, yeah. And not only did we not get a Democrat for a governor, we were losing, you know, state legislative battles Uh because people weren't getting out to the polls. So it's really incredibly important that, you know, nobody at any point in time slow up and think, oh, this is in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because we can take by the Senate, the U.S. Senate as well. I mean, even here in Ohio, we've got a competitive Senate district. So, I mean, Senate race. So we'll... Yeah. I mean, it's, it's absolutely critical that that presidential race have the full impact um, that we need, uh, even if, you know, even if Donald Trump falls apart. Um, so speaking of state legislatures, um, here in our state legislature, we got a visit uh, last week from Gloria Steinem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to go to the breakfast for that. How yeah. was that? The breakfast was fun. Yeah. It was it was really good. It's good to see a lot of our, you know, fabulous legislators you know, spending some good time with, with Gloria and really diving down into, you know, what all this means and what what Hillary running means for women, but also just what everything means. And I think it was really interesting. One of her, um, one of the people asked, because, you know, Gloria is kind of seen kind of in some of the ways that like Hillary Clinton is seen as this kind of old school feminist that just needs to lighten up and, you know, some right. of these, you know, and, and, because she comes from that lens, has said some things that come off occasionally tone deaf. So there was somebody in the audience who asked, a younger woman in the audience who actually asked, you know, what do you say when people ask, you know, who are you passing your torch to, you know? And and it was a really interesting answer because, and, and it really shows how we need to kind of honor all of the women in this movement because she said this whole idea that there is one torch, is this total hierarchical, patriarchal ridiculousness. Mm -hmm. There's not just one torch that one person gets to hold. So I get to keep my torch, and I use it to light everybody else's. 
so that everybody can have a torch so that we all have a piece of this and we all do what we need to. And somebody else asked her, you know, what do you do when, you know, especially younger women aren't really embracing the word feminism. And she's like, I don't care what you call yourself. Right. You know, she's like, we used to call ourselves women liberationists, you know, and to, you know, before feminism and, you know, it doesn't matter what you call yourself. You do the work. You do the work and you believe women should be equal in this world, then you're a feminist, whether you call yourself that or not, call yourself, you know, a blue person and it, it's fine. But, you know, really looking at making sure that we're doing what we need to do to make women equal parts of our society is the critical piece of it. Right. So it was really good. Um, I'm reminded of all the times that I've heard her before and how inspiring she usually is. So <laughs> it's one of those things. I'm like, oh, yeah, she's awesome and fabulous. Yeah. Yay. Uh, this is my first time ever seeing her in person. Uh, Randy and I went to the, uh, the event that they mm-hmm. had in the evening, which was very well attended. Mm-hmm. Um, with the whole caucus, with the women's caucus, right? It was, it was uh-huh. with the women's caucus plus Fred Strayhorn, the mm-hmm. uh, House Minority, Minority Leader. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although, you know, it, it, it was a fine event, but I kind of got the feeling that, um, you know, this group of people uh, and Ms. Steinem, they did an event at breakfast. Mm-hmm. They did a lunch together. Yeah. <laughs> By the time we got uh, this group, they were sort of making, uh, not inside jokes, but just mm-hmm. references to conversations yeah. that they'd had earlier Um you know, there wasn't quite the the pep to the event. It was a nice conversation. Uh, I'm definitely glad that I went. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting in the back, and I thought, well, you know, okay, it's Gloria Steinem. I definitely know who she is. Mm-hmm. I know about, you know, her, her career in journalism and all the things. But I don't know much more than that. So I'm sitting in the back of the audience. And I pull up my phone, and I'm, you know, scrolling through. Okay, Wikipedia. Let's look up Gloria mm-hmm. Steinem and read a little bit about her as I'm listening to her. And wait a minute. She's 82 years old? Yes. What? Yeah. You didn't know that? No. <laughs> yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Like, that woman is 82 years old. I'm like, oh my God. If you drug my 82-year-old butt to all of those events in one day and said, okay, you're going to speak at a breakfast, a lunch, and a dinner. And she had, I mean, she had continuous meetings all the way through. I mean, she yeah. left breakfast and met with legislative staffers after breakfast, before lunch. And then she had something else because I was seeing pictures even in between lunch and the dinner, like in the caucus room too. I mean, that woman had a packed schedule from beginning to yeah. end. Yeah, I had my moment like that actually when she came. <laughs> she came in um, 2008? Okay. No, six. Um, Strickland's first run. Okay. Um, when we actually won. And so she came in 2006. We did a coalition staging event for Get Out the Vote weekend with America Votes and a whole bunch of other partners. And Emily's List brought in a whole bunch of canvassers from Oregon and everything else. And right. she came in to like rally, rah, rah. It was, you know, celebrity after celebrity because everybody wanted to be in Ohio. And um, she came in and she was actually going canvassing with, I think, one of the directors of Emily's List. Wow. So it... So in 06, she was still like in her mid seventies, came in leather pants, well, pleather, I think pants <laughs> and high heels and canvassed. And I, I just sat there like, I can't do that today. Like right. I definitely can't do it in my seventies. Yeah. Like I want to be her when I grow up for sure. I mean, our lobby day is like 10 to three and I'm exhausted yeah. at the end I know, of that. Right. I was about to say like, I wouldn't be able to do all that. No, like she is, she is one of the most amazing, like the energetic yeah. people of that age range that yeah 
Mm-hmm. That was something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I really liked it. I didn't really know much about her at mm-hmm. all either. I'm not going to lie. I was a little bit skeptical. So I was like, okay, we're going to go <laughs> hear about some white feminism. Uh, but I was, then I was like really pleasantly surprised. And um, it's just hearing her story, her background, and all the people that she's worked with and mm-hmm. the different things she was talking about. The one thing that stuck closely with with me is um, towards the end we were talking about, you know, why is uh, the right wing, like, being so, like, um, just putting forth all of these ridiculous laws right now and just seeming like they're going off the deep end and just being so you know, hateful mm-hmm. and, like, discriminatory against different groups of people and different things like that. And then she made this analogy of, you know, when you're in an abusive relationship, the the victim is never in more danger than when they're getting ready to leave or right. when they've left. Yeah. Right. So she was like, the reason they're so angry is because they know we're about to be free. Mm-hmm. And I was like, preach. Yeah. That's good. Like, we're <laughs> yeah. about to be free, yeah. and they don't like it, And but we're just going to keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's, she's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was great. And then yesterday there was a hearing for one of uh, our abortion providers uh, in Dayton Women's Med Center. Got um, harsh my buzz. Sorry. Come on, go from Gloria Steinem to like ridiculous anti-choice ridiculousness. Uh, They had their hearing for their variance agreement. Uh, This is part of John Kasich's ongoing campaign Mm -hmm. to close as many abortion providers in the state of Ohio as he can. Um, His his transfer agreement requirements uh, are are where we're at right now. Uh, Women's Med Center does not... Uh, of Dayton, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, of Dayton. Um, they are requesting a variance to the transfer agreement, which means that instead of getting a hospital signing on, mm-hmm. it's individual doctors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this was their hearing with the state. Yes. Uh, so, Jamie, you were at the event. Ugh. So, yeah. Um, Don't sound so happy. <laughs> <laughs> it was loads of fun. Let me tell you, you ever want to like a riotous fun time, go to an ODH hearing. Um, so, yeah, so Jennifer Branch, um, who is also defending the clinic in Toledo and uh, the Planned Parenthood in Cincinnati, mm-hmm. is also representing Haskell. She's kind of our abortion rock star attorney. Um, she's actually in Gerhard Sutton and Branch, so that was the firm that did the Goldfield um, okay. case. So yes. he um, argued... The, the National Marriage yes. Equality case, uh-huh. so this yeah. is the same legal team. Yes, this legal team is responsible for you know marriage equality in the United States and nice. keeping our abortion clinics open. They're awesome. We love them. So um, this is really, in a lot of ways, a formality because the way that Kasich wrote all these laws was that all of what the director decides is completely not challengeable. Mm-hmm. But by law, they have to be given a hearing. So it's one of those kind of, well, you get a hearing, but the hearing officer isn't allowed to do anything. So screw you. Um, So really what this does is it lays out a future legal case. You know, the capital care case that we've been fighting in Lucas County courts for three years now, almost now. Um, Toledo's last abortion provider. Um, Started with an ODH hearing. So, you know, really this is just the first step of really laying out a legal case against um, this whole thing. So, yeah, so... Haskell's asking for a variance. ODH is proposing to deny the variance and close the clinic down. Um, Their argument is that 
initially was that he had had... So go, let's go back a couple years. So in 2012, he applied for a variance. In 2013, he applied for a variance. In 2014, he applied for a variance. In 2012... And ODH never acted on any of these applications at all. They just sat there. And so he finally went back and denied the 2012, 13, and 14 variances with the rationale that the 2014 variants only had two doctors and his 2012 variants had three. So you used to have three doctors. You only have two. That's not enough. I'm, I'm denying your variants. Even though it only takes one doctor to yes. perform an abortion, and that's the abortion doctor on yes. staff. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, and the law only requires one. Right. The law says one or more. So um, Haskell then reapplied and uh, reapplied for the 14 and at the same time applied for his 15 with three doctors because we we said we used to have three and that was okay, but two wasn't enough. So here's three again. And ODH turned around and denied both the 14 and the 14 reapplication and the 15 application because three isn't enough now. Right. So... We're, you know, we're, she's working on, you know, uh, trying to push ODH to approve the variants because, again, all this is ridiculous and stupid. You don't need backup doctors to get emergency yeah. treatment for women. Right. I mean. And you just approved, you approved one before uh-huh. that had that exact number and now it's not enough. Like. Yeah. That well, and this no is sense. yeah, and this is what we've been talking about from the very beginning. We don't need the Ohio legislature to pass any more bills to shut down mm-hmm. every clinic in the state. The Department of Health has full authority to shut down any clinic they want to at any point in time for no reason at all right now because the director of the Department of Health has the ability to say yes or no that a transfer agreement is valid and he has the authority to say yes or no a variance is is valid and neither one of those are appealable or challengeable. Right. So he could go through and say the sky's blue today, although it's not, and and therefore I'm going to deny this transfer agreement because I don't think it's valid. Right. And... It shut every clinic down in the state of Ohio. And so that's when is, we hit the point where people say, hey, this is an undue burden. Mm-hmm. I yes. mean, before that point, but uh-huh. we would say it's an undue burden. But. And that's been kind of the problem with Ohio's cases versus the Texas case is that our clinics didn't close in mass like all at once. Right. You know, they've kind of haphazardly happened as this restriction went into place or that restriction went into place. But and we're getting them, there. Yeah, we're yeah. getting there. I mean, we've lost half of them. So this will be the last clinic in Dayton if it closes. Um, it's also the one of only two providers in the state preterm being the other one, which is in Cleveland, that goes further into pregnancy. So Haskell goes in you know, up to the 23rd week, 22 weeks, like five days or something like that. So he's the one who women have to turn to when they have fetal anomalies diagnosed later or those kinds of things, especially now that university that, Christ Hospital has said they're not doing fetal anomaly procedures anymore. That's the only place women in southwest Ohio can turn to for those kinds of procedures now. So losing Haskell would be a huge burden on that area of the state. Right. So, okay. so, yeah, so they brief it back and forth and do all kinds of legal stuff for a little bit longer. I think my guess is we probably hear something in late July, early August, so midsummer. Okay. So uh, watch this space, as uh, Rachel Maddow says. <laughs> um, so uh, also this week, uh, R. Kelly Copeland was on All Sides with Ann Fisher. Uh, that's WOSU's radio program. We'll just briefly touch on that, saying that she kind of summarized most of the uh, attacks that are currently underway in the state legislature. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll post the video uh, on our blog. Um, look for that in the show notes. Um, 
Speaking of talk radio, though, we have a new project. We mentioned it last week. It's coming up. It's our microphone project. You can be an amplifier. Uh, We're looking for individuals around the state of Ohio uh, who care about choice issues, uh, who support abortion rights, and want to become more active by learning how to uh, submit really effective letters to the editor, uh, do call-in radio Mm -hmm. shows, um, and get training on how to make an effective argument uh, to support women's right to choose. Uh, if you would like to join our microphone project, you can email me at communications at prochoiceohio.org. Um, all right, so then that brings us to Let's Get It On. Yes. Randy. <laughs> Let's get it on. Okay, so we have Confest coming up soon. End of June. End of June. End of June. Okay. What's the exact date on it? Uh, the last weekend of yes, June. the last weekend uh, of June. <laughs> the if, last weekend of June. If people go to our Facebook page and look for events, you can find the information on that um, okay. and uh, sign up to volunteer in our booth. We'll be there. We'll be at Dayton Pride the first weekend of June, the first Saturday of June. It's just one day. And then the second weekend, we have off, and it's my birthday. Yeah. Uh, the third weekend, <laughs> I know, isn't that lucky? It was. <laughs> it's like I planned it that way. I totally planned it that way. Well, you know, it's the dirty 30. So. Uh. Um, and <laughs> I got to <laughs> by a decade. It's all good. Uh, then the third weekend is Columbus. Uh-huh. And that's for two days. Columbus and Pride is Columbus two days. Columbus Pride, yep. 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 And then the fourth weekend, Confest and Cincinnati Pride happen at the same time. But Cincinnati Pride is just that one day, the last Saturday mm-hmm. in June, and I'll be there. Um, but, yes, so you all can sign up at volunteer at prochoiceohio.org because we need people to help staff the booths. Yeah, and there's um, a bunch of festivals, too, that Annie's doing in Cleveland. Not the Pride, yeah. not Pride, because Cleveland Pride actually got moved to August because of the RNC. Thanks, Republicans. Right. So, um, but Annie is um, doing a whole bunch of other ones up there. So, again, volunteer at prochoiceohio.org if you're in the northern Ohio area, Akron, Cleveland, Youngstown, Toledo. Um, and she can get you hooked up with what's going on out there, too. Yep. Um, yep, we always need people to help us, so... We're not the only one at the booth because, you know, I might need to go to the restroom. Um, <laughs> but, no, it's always have fun when I go. Um, it's always lots of people there. You have good conversations, good food. So it's a good time. So you can um, sign up and work a shift. You know, shifts are usually like two to three hours and help us out at our booths. Um, also, we're me and Gabe will be at Roots Camp tomorrow. That should be fun. Um, there's going to be a lot of different sessions mm-hmm. there. It starts at 10.30. It goes until 3.30. So they have a session from 10.30 to 11.30. Then there's like a two-hour break. And then there's a session from 1.30 to 2.30, which is when we're going to be presenting. And then there's a last session from 2.30 to 3.30. And it's at OCSEA. Yes, yes. OCSEA uh, in uh, Westerville. Mm-hmm. It's right off of Polaris Parkway. Yep. Um, Progress Ohio is sponsoring that event. You can find information mm-hmm. at progressohio.org or um, we posted information on our Facebook page. So look for NARAL Pro Choice Ohio on Facebook. Yep. Um, also, the Women of Color Happy Hour is uh, planning a reproductive justice panel or sort of a town hall. Um, and that's going to be Saturday, May 21st. It's going to be at the uh, Ohio Democratic Party headquarters here in Columbus. And we're going to have a lot of women of great women of color speakers there. I'm excited about it. And so I'll 
we'll, it'll be on our Facebook page too. We get closer. Cool. Okay. Sounds good. Um, have a good weekend, everybody. Bye. Bye.